us today. Uh, the building is starting to come together. We're getting ready to start to meet in here again. Uh, our plan right now is uh, next week, uh, June 7th, to have our first service in here. We'll open the doors about 9.30, and then uh, we'll have our service at 10 o'clock. Uh, for those of you who are watching online and you're not ready to come back, that's fine. We're going to continue online just, as, uh, just, just like this morning. What you see this morning is the same thing you'll see next week. Uh, the only thing that will change is uh, we won't have the 10-minute prelude before. We'll just have a really short uh, deal, and then at 10 o'clock, uh, it'll go live on Facebook, or uh, it'll be, uh, you'll be able to watch it on YouTube uh, as well. So uh, that's kind of our plan. Um, if you are thinking about coming next week, uh, please look at our Facebook thing. We'll be sending out an email again. Uh, this week with some more specific things uh, before Sunday. And uh, we'd encourage you, please, uh, we're asking people to ask four questions. Uh, first of all, if you have any flu-like symptoms at all, we're asking that you would stay home. Uh, you can watch online, and, and, and we would love to have you here, but we would just ask that you would watch online. Uh, also, if you had a fever of 100.4 uh, in the last 14 days, we'd ask that you watch online. Um, that will uh, help continue to uh, protect you and uh, the people that will be here. And then uh, if you've had exposure to somebody who's had prolonged exposure, you've had prolonged exposure to somebody who has been diagnosed positive uh, with COVID-19, we would ask that you would uh, continue to stay home online, kind of isolate yourself. And then uh, for any of you that have age issues or medical issues that uh, your system could be compromised, please. Uh, we're making the commitment um, to you uh, to continue this online, uh, both for your benefit and for ours. So uh, we're just asking that you think along those terms and, and along those lines. And if you're uncomfortable at all, please know um, we, are, uh, we are completely understanding with uh, you being nervous about uh, coming into a, a church situation, which is is unique from most situations that you deal with during the week. So um, that's kind of where we are. If you're not on our email list, please get on that. That's our primary way of communicating with people, particularly uh, during this. Once we start meeting again, um, we will continue with the email, but most of you know who have been around here that uh, we can start talking a little bit more and we can, say, uh, we can say a little more and do a little more explanation than we can um, on, a, on a social media platform uh, like, uh, like what we have. And, and things communicate sometimes better in person than they do uh, through uh, writing. So uh, that's where we're headed. Uh, we'd love to have you join us next week, but if you, you're hesitant, we understand. We understand completely, and uh, we want to um, get to the point that you're comfortable uh, here. And uh, we, uh, we look forward to this week. We'll be uh, kind of deep cleaning the building, so... Uh, we have it all set up now and uh, looking forward to being able to gather together. So that's where we're headed. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord in prayer this morning and we'll get started. So Lord, thanks for the day. Uh, Lord, we, we've got folks that, uh, that we know of that uh, we love and care about, Lord, who um, are struggling with this, Lord. They have uh, either been uh, diagnosed positive or they have a loved one who's been diagnosed positive. Lord, we ask that you'd heal and guide, protect their Lord, for those who are in leadership trying to make decisions, would you give them wisdom and insight? Lord, for um, each of us, uh, Lord, would you guide and direct us, help us to uh, use this time as, a, as an opportunity, Lord, to, 
to, to grow deeper uh, in our relationship with you. Uh, Lord, may we uh, value and treasure the friendships that we have and, and realize the importance and significance of those in our lives and, and use this time, Lord, to make our, our times of reunion even sweeter. And so, Lord, as we uh, prepare to meet here uh, next week, we ask your hand upon that. Uh, guide us, give us wisdom and insight as well in and, and knowing how to uh, best keep everyone safe and at the same point, at the same time, Lord, to be able to encourage our, our, our fellowship and meeting together again. And for each of us this morning, Lord, as we open your word, uh, speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, we want to hear, we want to learn, uh, but Lord, if we don't apply it, then um, it's just been a, a, a something that's helped our head and not our, our heart and our life. So help us to uh, take your word and and weave it into our lives this week, these things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, if you've been here any length of time, and it's kind of interesting because actually um, next week, next week, next two weeks actually uh, represent kind of an anniversary for me. So um, I will have, uh, I came, I first came to this church, the first message I preached was in 1992, in June of 1992. So um, I've been around for a while. And uh, if you've been around, listen to my teaching and preaching, you know that one of the things that I do is I, I, I preach a series of messages. Usually I, I do what in, in preaching world we call it expository preaching or teaching. And I like taking a passage of scripture and just diving in, going word by word, phrase by phrase, and keeping the passage in the context in which it is written. And so if we're doing a character study or like we're doing Moses and the children of Israel, we're just kind of walking through the book of Exodus and uh, that's kind of how I set it up. And there's a, there's a lot of advantages to that. One of the advantages to that is you get the whole picture, not just bits and pieces. It's very difficult in expository preaching to, to just yank something out of the context. Uh, so you have to kind of make sure that it fits within the whole. Uh, and, and I think it's the best way to learn Scripture because we, we learn more by doing it that way. Um, one of the downsides to it as a pastor is this. Uh, it's a plus and it's a minus. One of the pluses is that uh, you, you teach on things that you normally maybe would have a, a tendency to overlook or to skip. And uh, that, that's one of the uh, advantages to it, to a congregation, is that it forces you to, to deal with stuff whether you want to deal with it or not. Uh, the downside to it is, like today, when we come to a passage where it speaks probably more to me as a pastor than it does to people because uh, this is a big area of struggle that I've always had. And so I want you to know that as we talked this morning, I'm not, I'm not preaching from experience. I'm preaching as somebody who needs to do what I am telling you the Scripture says that we should do, okay? So just so you have a good understanding of it and know that uh, that's kind of where we're going. So we're in uh, the book of Exodus, and we're going to start um, with basically here in Exodus chapter 18. And I'm going to skip around a little bit, but here's what it says. It says, now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zephora, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One was named Gershom, for Moses said, I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. The other was named Eleazar because he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. 
Um, and I just put this in parentheses to help you understand it. Gershom sounds like Hebrew for a foreigner there. And the idea of Eleazar means God is my helper. So um, here's what happens um, in the story. Moses um, is dealing with the children of Israel. We've done all of the, the children of Israel things. And we've talked about how they've gotten to this point. So this is kind of now the day-to-day operation of how it's going with the children of Israel. They're kind of settled in the routine. They've learned some lessons about God. They're kind of plugging along with it. And what happens is um, Jethro now brings uh, Moses' wife, Zephora, and his two sons. We, if you'll remember, way back in the, when this thing started, as Moses got ready to go before Pharaoh in order to protect his family, he took his wife and his two sons and sent, and sent them to live with Jethro, um, her dad or his father-in-law. And that was, I think, kind of a safety mechanism. And apparently, Zephora and his two boys um, had not been with him in this, in this journey. So uh, now that it was kind of safe and things were a little more settled down, the Egyptian army wasn't pursuing them, Jethro decides it's time to now bring everybody back together. So Jethro comes and he meets um, with Moses. And here's what it says. The story continues on. It says, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all of the hardships that they had along the way and how the Lord had saved them. So what happens now is uh, the, children of Israel, uh, the children of Israel have gone through all this stuff. Jethro now comes in. He's got Zephora, his two boys. He sits down with Moses and says, tell me how it's gone. So Moses tells him everything. He says, this is what we watch God do in Egypt, and then this is what we watch God do. And you gotta, we've had all kinds of problems, you know, and he tells him about Rephidim, and he tells him about Mara, and he tells him about Sin, and he tells him about the, 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 the quail and the manna. And, all, and so he tells him all this stuff, and he says, you know, God's really been good in taking care of us here. And so they all get together, and he says, let's have a feast, let's have a celebration. And the text goes on and talks about how uh, the elders get together and Moses and Jethro and everything else. And so they just have a celebration of everything that God's done, which is a great principle. Then here's what happens. Next, we have a, it's a bring your father-in-law to work day. And so here's what the text says. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning to evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to, to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties, and I inform them of God's decrees, and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Your work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now listen to me, and I'll give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. 
And if you go on in the text, what happens is that's what Moses does. He listens to his father-in-law's advice, and it, 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 it basically makes things function much, much better. So just a quick summary. Here's what happens. Um, Jethro watches uh, Moses at work, um, and he's got a couple of questions. He says, first of all, why in the world are you doing it this way, and why are other people not helping you in this process? And basically, Moses' response is the typical type A personality. Well, first of all, um, I'm the only one that can do it, and B, these people are not capable of doing it, so I have to do their job for them. Um, they need me. I'm the only one that can do this. And, and Jethro basically sits down and says, okay, look, son-in-law, here, here's the issue. Um, and again, Jethro was a priest of Midian, so he had some leadership deal, and he said, listen, there's a better way to do this. Um, you, you need to re, refocus your priorities here. You need to delegate. You need to, to train the people to do that which you're doing. And, and, and so divide it all up. Get your good men. Divide it all up. Give them responsibilities. And then you can focus on the things you need to be doing well. And they can focus on the things that um, you don't need to be focused on. And so basically Moses, humble enough, listens to this and implements this. And as he implements this, what happens is, in, in the life of the children of Israel, things go much better. And Moses doesn't ultimately end up burned out. So, um, let's just pull a couple of things out, and then we'll get to a couple of principles and, 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 and try, to, try to live them out this week. Um, one of the first things that um, Jethro talks to Moses about um, is you have to ask yourself this question. How did Moses get in this situation in the first place? Um, how does Moses find himself there? And I think there's a few little clues in the text that give us an idea. Um, first of all, one of the things that you see in the life of Moses is Moses has been away from his family. Um, at the very least, they've been traveling for three months since they left Egypt. Uh, Moses' wife and sons were pulled out before the plague. So we're probably looking at somewhere between, I mean, at, at the absolute least, four to six months to maybe even a year that Moses has been away from his family. Um, and I think that's, a, that's, a, that's a, an insight that greatly affects Moses because um, what I think is interesting here is, and again, I'm not saying this didn't happen, but the text doesn't say it. The text says that Jethro brings Zephora and his two boys to him. It doesn't say that Moses requested him to do that. So I don't know if this was um, Jethro sitting there saying, look, buddy, it's time for you to be a dad and a husband again, or if this is just a deal where Moses had actually requested him. But at whatever point, Jethro comes and brings his family to reunite them uh, together again. So I think that's one of the things that, that you see here. And another thing that you see here is that Moses sees himself as the only one that can do it. Um, so Moses isn't willing to let go of stuff. Moses wants to micromanage everything. Uh, and, and, and part of that is, I think some of that is Moses' personality. I think that um, he would have been trained um, in how to handle a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that I see in a rural area is uh, we like to be able to say we did it ourselves. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of the principles that Moses is struggling with here, uh, we deal with either personality-wise or culture-wise. And so you have both of those things at play. Um, you have the idea that he's been away from his family. You have the idea that he thinks that 
you know, he's indispensable. He can't uh, function um, without him. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a catch-22 here. Um, I, one of the things that I see happening as a result of this virus thing, and one of the things that I'm reading about is, is one of the things that I'm noticing is because we have now kind of worked through this idea of people working from home, um, there, there's a lot of talk in the business world about this becoming a new trend where more and more people work from home. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I would suggest to you that, that, that I think for those of you who can, you're going to see this trend develop. Um, first of all, just from a, from a financial perspective for a company, um, statistics are showing us this, that people who work from home actually spend more time on work than they do if they go to an office. So they're actually putting in more hours. So you just think about it from a company's perspective. If, if by nature you're putting in more hours from home than you are at work, and I don't have to, and I'm already paying you for those hours, why not do that? Uh, in addition to the cost savings of not having to lease equipment for you while you're in the office and all of those kinds of things. So over and over and again, what's happening is I think you're going to see that trend. And there's a great trend in that to push the family aside. That's, that's what Moses has done. He has focused so much on the work that his family has been in the background. So it's all been about him and him doing his job. The second thing that, that you see when Jethro comes into the picture is what does Jethro suggest? Jethro looks at him and says, okay, Moses, first of all, we've got to talk about your priorities here. Um, we got to talk about why it is um, that you are, are, are doing um, what you're doing. Um, what, why are you spending all your time on this stuff when you need to be doing this stuff? Because by doing this stuff, you're going to be burned out. You're not going to be able to do this stuff. Um, what, what Jethro is suggesting is this idea of figuring out what is essential in your priority. Now, that's a big term that we've heard a lot in the last couple of months. Essential versus non-essential. And as a society, what's interesting is we have redefined the idea of what is an essential employee and what is a non-essential employee. Um, because companies have had to, had to strip everything down to the idea of what do we need to do to keep this company running. Um, and so they have used this term, essential and non-essential. And so, you know, for those of us who were non-essential, you know, I mean, Churches were not considered essential until a couple of weeks ago when all of a sudden they were talked about being essential. But all of a sudden now, this whole idea of I'm essential, I'm not, I'm, I'm non-essential. What, what Jethro was saying to Moses is, look, Moses, you've got to ask yourself, what is essential to you being the leader here of the children of Israel? Because you're doing stuff that you don't need to be doing. You're doing stuff that other people can do. So he basically looks at Moses and says, you've got to let go of some of this stuff. You've got to step back, Moses, and go, you know what? I can, I'm going to trust other people. I'm going, to, I'm going to teach and train other people to do this. And I'm going to trust them to do it so that then I can focus on the other stuff. And Jethro comes back and basically says, look, Moses, you're going to have to decide what your, your, your priorities are. And I think that's a great lesson for us, for, for each of us to just simply stop and take the time to say, what is essential to me in my life? Um, I think one of the great blessings of the last couple of months is that in some ways we've been forced to do this. In some ways we've been, able to, we've, we've been forced to sit back and say, what is essential? What, what, 
What, where do I need to spend my time? Where do I need to spend my money? Uh, where do I need to spend my energy? And we've had to sit back and we've had to stop and say, okay, you know, what is essential to us? And I think this is, I think there's some things that we got right and I think there's some things we got wrong. I think as a culture, one of the things that we did was we said, it is essential that we protect ourselves physically. And we've spent a great deal of of time, energy, and resources on physical uh, protection, social distancing, and all of those things. But what, where where we fell short is that we turned around and we neglected some of the other areas of, of humanity, like emotionally. Um, all of a sudden now, we're starting to see the, 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 the impact of, of keeping people at a distance for long periods of time. And now all of a sudden, we're starting to see the emotional issues that are coming up. And we're seeing the rise in all kinds of things, from domestic violence to alcohol uh, to, to abuse to uh, marriage issues. And it's just, it's just compounding itself. Because what we did as a culture is we said, let's focus on one thing, not on the whole. And this is what Jethro was basically trying to get a hold of Moses and say, look, Moses, let's talk about the whole big picture here, Moses. You're not, what you're doing right now in doing your quote unquote job is going to take a toll on you physically and you're not going to be able to do anything. So what he wants Moses to do is to look at the big picture and says, look, Moses, instead of doing this, what you need to do is you need to invest in people. You need to take people, train people to do what, you're, you, what they need to do, pick out really good men who can do this, and then you need to train them and you need to trust them and let go of the stuff that you're hanging on to. Stop micromanaging this stuff. Let these people do it. Give them the tools that they need to do their job and let them do their job. So what he talks about is this idea of learning to invest in people. And I think this is a great lesson for us. Um, you know, in our congregation, our, our age spectrum is spread out all, the way, all, all over the board. Um, and I mean, you know, within the last month, we've got... We've got one couple celebrating a 60th anniversary, another couple celebrating a 50th anniversary. In the last year, we've got um, eight families that have had newborns. So it's just crazy all over the spectrum as far as the, the groups in, in our church. So it's, it's easy sometimes for us to, to, to um, kind of target one group. So I kind of want to target both parents and grandparents in, in this idea um, of this idea of learning um, to let go, because I, I think there's a, great, there's a great lesson in here for us, because Moses just wanted to hang on. Moses wanted to hang on to his thing, and, and I think it's, it's one of the things that um, we need to sit back and kind of put these pieces together for us individually as parents or grandparents and ask ourselves this, um, how are we investing in people? Because uh, I think that's a great lesson in this thing. So basically what, what Jethro does is he steps back and he says, okay, Moses, here's what you need to do. Um, you need to kind of set back and figure out, okay, what's essential, um, what's non-essential. And I think those are great <laughs> principles for us, um, for each of us, to, to step back first of all and go, okay, what's really essential in my life? Um, with my time, my schedule, um, what is it that, 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 that I need to kind of implement in my own world? Um, and then to sit back and ask ourselves, how are we investing in people? How are we learning to let go of stuff? 
And what I would say to parents and to grandparents is this. The process of raising kids or grandkids is a process of learning to let go. Um, From the moment an umbilical cord is cut, you have started the process of letting go of that child or grandchild. It's the idea of constantly um, being, uh, constantly letting them go. Um, You know, there's the, you know, I've got, I've got one grandkid who's about ready to start crawling. And so, you know, there's an element in which they will crawl to you, but there's a bigger element in which they crawl away from you. And same thing when they start walking, when they start uh, talking, when they learn to run, when they learn to ride a bike, and, and you have to let go and let them go out on their own. When they learn to drive, and you have to let them go out of that driveway with a, with, 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 with a car for the first time. Um, or you let them go off to... To, to camp, or whether it be a, a college or a tech school, uh, or you let them go off to, you really want to, you really want to push to, let them go off to the military. Um, and, 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 you know, you push that idea of, uh, of letting go and, and letting them get out on their own. And, and what I would say to you is the, the purpose of parenting, the purpose of grand, grandparenting, is the idea of giving kids the skills and the abilities to function as adults in society. Um, and, and, and as a Christians, we want them to love God. We want them to have that as the center of their life. And so it's that, but it's that idea of constantly letting go. And what I'm seeing right now, particularly with younger parents, is we tend to hold on so tight. Um, and, and, and this whole virus thing, that's one of the things to see. We, we hold on so tight and we just feel like we, we've got to keep them safe and, we gotta, and, and that's all great. But what happens is if you're not careful, if you don't understand that the process is to let go, the process is to give them skills, the process is to develop independence, the process is for them to be able to function out in society. What happens is you cripple them instead of helping them. Yeah, it makes you feel better as a parent because, oh, my kids, they, they always want to be with me. And they, but it's not healthy for them long term because they have a difficulty getting out there on their own. And ultimately, that's the goal. Ultimately, that is the goal for them to be able to be on their own. And I love that I have a great relationship with my kids, but the reality of it is I'm I'm thrilled that my kids are doing stuff on their own. As a grandparent, I love being able to spend time with my grandkids, but the bottom line is this. Even in those times, I have a role as a parent, not just to have fun, with my grandchildren, but to, have, but to teach my grandchildren something. To instill in my grandchildren something. It's the idea of, this is what Jethro was trying to get across to Moses. Moses, look, if you do it all, then nobody else grows. If they're all dependent upon you, Moses, then it's not good for you or for them. In order for this to work, Moses, you need to take and teach them so they can do then you and they grow together. And that's the idea. And that's the same thing with parenting. The idea is for you to be able to develop kids who can be out on their own, um, ultimately. Uh, and that, that's, that's the whole idea of learning to let go, that whole idea of parenting. And the other last thing is, is one of the things that Jethro's insinuating in this passage is the idea of, Moses, if you keep going like you're going, you're going to burn out. And what he's talking about here is the whole balanced person. He's saying, Moses, look, you're so focused on the job that the family side of your life is is not healthy. The emotional side of your life is not healthy. The spiritual side of your life is not healthy. Um, 
all of these, the relational side of your life is not healthy uh, because you're just focused on this level. Um, Gordon McDonald in his book talks about what's called the sinkhole syndrome. And he talks about the idea that what happens with the sinkhole is underneath it's all caved out. And nobody knows that. Everything looks fine on the surface level. But what happens is a car drives over, something drives over top of it, and the weight and the pressure of that with nothing underneath it collapses. And he talks about the idea that that's so easy to do because in life what happens is if we don't develop that understructure, if we don't develop that, that, he calls it a soul world, if we don't develop that soul world, that spiritual world in our lives, and what happens is when the pressure of life comes up, we can, we, things collapse. And that's what you're seeing. You're watching people who, uh, up until this whole thing happened, had developed their spiritual life, and there's an undergirding. So as the pressures of all of this thing have gone, they're, they're doing okay because there's something underneath. And there's other people who haven't, and all of a sudden now the pressures of all this are collapsing, and their world's starting to fall apart. And, and as their world starts to fall apart, they try to shore it all up, but it's, it, it, it's too late. The, the preventative, preventative aspect of it is you focus on building it up now while you can. And so what he's trying to get across to Moses is, look, if you keep going where, where you're going, all of this is eroding, and at some point it's going to come crashing down. And Moses is wise enough and humble enough to take Jethro's advice. And so Moses divides it up, and things go much, much smoother, and then Jethro, as a, as a good father-in-law, then just goes back home and does his thing. But when he steps in and sees his his, his son-in-law is headed down a wrong path here that's going to hurt him in the end and hurt the people in the end, and there's a better way to do it, steps in and goes, hey, look, here's something you need to think about doing. And fortunately for Moses, he's wise enough to go, you know what, and humble enough to go, yeah, okay, you know what, that's what I need to do. So <clears throat> let's wrap it up with two, with two, two main ideas, two main paths to, to think about this morning as you and I head into the week. Um, I, I get that some of you are burned out, um, and, and some of this is just overwhelming. You know, I'm like a lot of people right now. I, I'm really tired of the isolation thing. Um, I, I've just kind of had my fill of uh, uh, being away from people. And, uh, you know, some parts of it that I, that I really, really like, but there's other parts of it that I really, really don't like. And so I, I'm ready to get back together. You know, I'm, I, I'm tired of preaching to empty chairs. Uh, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, even this week being able to get together with, with people as we cleaned and worked and see people again. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I can't, I can't wait Sunday to be able to start uh, touching base with people again. But um, this idea of just the pressures and the, and, and, and the struggles and everything with it. I think it's a good time for us to step back and say, okay, what, what are my priorities in my life? Um, and, and I want to challenge you with this. Pull out your to-do list for the week. Um, I mean, just before I came today, I, I met with my wife, and my wife and I, we were talking, and, you know, she's going to go do her thing today, and I was doing my thing, and so I said, okay, let's just talk about the next six months. Um, what major projects do we have? Where do we want to put our emphasis uh, what, what, what is our priority going to be? And I listed out a couple and said, you know, I said, I can do this and we can do this. And we can do this. And we can do this. You know, where do we want to spend our time, energy and money here in the next six months? Uh, and figuring out what our priorities are. And what I would challenge you to do with this, do the same thing with your do this. Do that with your life. Look at your priorities this week. Look at your to do list. Ask yourself a couple questions. If somebody got sick. 
Um, what on your priority list gets pushed off to the side? Because all of those things are non-essentials. You go, well, I, you know, I can't lose my paycheck, so I'd have to go to work every day. That's an essential thing then. Um, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an important thing for you to do. Uh, you're doing that which is important, not that which is urgent. Uh, what is it? And then, then ask yourself this. As you look at that list, what on that list is going to help you build up your spiritual life? What on that list addresses the spiritual? That's that, that, that's that under level of uh, that soul level of, of life. Um, what is it that uh, is there um, that, that's going to help that? What is it on that list that's going to address the mental side of your life that's going to help you in, 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 in handling things mentally? What is it on that list that addresses the emotional side of your life? The social, relational side of your life. All of these things are things that make us human. You know, you have a physical, a mental, emotional, a spiritual, a social, or relational. You have a vocational aspect. You have all of these parts of your life. And you have to ask yourself, what on your list is essential to helping those areas of your life? That's how you stay balanced. And what's happened is for a lot of us, we focus so much on the physical that we've neglected the others. And we're, we're starting as a culture to pay the price for that. So it's important that we step back and learn from this story and go, okay, what is essential? What do I need to be doing that's, that's really important, that's really, not, not what's urgent, but what's important, what's really essential to my well-being as a human being? Um, so we start there. Second thing then, I think, after we look at our priorities, we ask ourselves this. How am I investing in people this week? Um, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about other people. So how am I investing in people? Uh, you're going to get to spend time with your grandkids? Great. What are you going to do that's going to invest in the lives of your grandkids this week? Or your kids? What are you going to do that's going to invest in the lives of somebody in the life or the lives of somebody else? It's about people. And what Moses had to get across and, and what Jethro was trying to get across to Moses is, look, Moses, you're focusing on the things, solving all the problems. You've got to focus on people. Invest your lives in people to help you with all of the stuff. Um, here, look, here's where you see this best. You see this best in the life of Jesus Christ. If you'll think about it for a minute, Jesus had three and a, 33 and a third years on this earth. So 33 years and three to five, six months on this earth. There's no one who was more focused on his mission. There's no one who was more focused on what he had to do than Jesus Christ. He has a short amount of time to... Live, teach, um, go to the cross, pay for our sins, and provide a way for salvation. So while he's here, and when you look at the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see basically in those accounts, you see the three years of the life, the last three years of the life of Jesus Christ. That's where almost all of it's focused. And most of it is focused on the last 18 months of the life of Christ. So here's the question. Where does Jesus spend his time? I mean... You would think if the focus was things, he would heal as many people as he could heal. He'd be focused on the physical illnesses. Um, you, you, he, would be, he would be focused on all of, the, all of that kind of stuff. But you know what? You don't find that focus. When you look at a time analysis in the gospel of the life of Jesus Christ, you know where Jesus spent the largest majority of his time? With three people, Peter, James, and John. The next largest group block of his time is spent with the disciples. Why? Because Jesus understood 
that he had a job, and that was to go to the cross, to do the will of the Father. Pride to provide salvation for us so that we can have, uh, we can put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the, salvation of our, uh, for the salvation of our soul so that we can spend eternity with him, so that we can have a relationship with him. He understood that was his purpose. But he also understood that that message was going to have to continue on after he was here. Because he would not be here physically to deliver that message. So he had to invest in people who would continue the message on long past his time here. So Jesus spends a majority of his time teaching these 12 people so that they can carry on after he's gone. He invests in those people. And that's that's the principle you see. So what Jethro is saying to Moses is, Moses, look... Invest in people here. Pick you out some good, solid leaders. Teach them so they can teach other people. Then, Moses, when you're long gone, there are people to carry on. Later, you're going to see this develop in the life of Joshua, where he's going to bring Joshua alongside of him, and Moses is going to impart stuff to Joshua so that Joshua can then carry on when they go into the promised land. Here's the thing. You and I need to invest in the lives of other people. We need to be able to teach and to train. So, so for those of you, start with your family. Work, work with your kids and your grandkids. Figure out what it is you want to teach them. Figure out what it is you want to instill in them. When I do a funeral, one of the things that I, I, I sit down with the family and I put together a eulogy, and when I put together a eulogy, one of the questions that I ask is, um, if you were to, um, if this person, one of the last questions I ask is, if this person... Um, were able to speak at the funeral. What is the one thing they would want to make sure everybody knew? What is the one thing that they would want people to know their life was all about? And it's interesting because I've had groups, of, I've had large groups of 15, 20 people when, we, when we've done this, and I've had groups of two or three. It's interesting when I get a group of people and they all say the same thing. Oh, no, if there's one thing you knew about Grandpa, Grandpa was about this. If there's one thing about Mom, she was about this. If there's one thing about uh, my husband or my wife, it was about this. And you're able to sum their life up in that one thing, that one thing that was so important. And I share that. At the funeral, I always share those things. And one of the things that I share is, look, we have a responsibility. This person is no longer here. But we have a responsibility to take that lesson, that thing that their life was about, and learn it. Um, And if we can learn it, we continue their legacy on, even though they're not here. And then I always challenge people not just to take it and learn it, but to teach it to the generations behind us. So that way, their legacy continues on past even my, my legacy, even my time here. And even though that person is longer here, the lessons, the values, the things that were important in their life continue to go on and on and on as long as we continue to carry those things forward. That's what Jesus does. He shares it with the disciples. And we here this morning are here because that legacy, the thing that was important, continues on generation after generation after generation. And I want to challenge you to sit back and look at your, look at your life and say, you know, what people... You know, or what person maybe am I investing my life in? Am I pouring my life in so that they can carry on that which God has impressed upon me to carry on? 
And so I, I just want to challenge you because it's so easy for this stuff to get lost. And for those of you that have kids at home right now, you've been given this incredible gift to be able to spend time with them to develop and teach those kinds of things. Those of you that get to see your grandkids, you have the incredible opportunity to be able to share things and do things with them and instill values in them. Because that's what we're called to do. And that's what Jothro, as a, as, as a wise, older, wiser father-in-law priest, steps in and he sees his he sees his son-in-law making some mistakes and he goes, hey, look, take it from me. You don't want to go down this road. And here's what I would suggest you think about doing. And Moses, in his humility, goes, you know what? That's what I'm going to go do. And it makes a big difference. So as we wrap it up this morning, here's what I want to challenge you with. Life can be overwhelming. Often the issues that we struggle with are rooted in the choices that we are making. Jethro challenges Moses to focus on his priorities and learn to let go of things that he should not be involved with. It's a great reminder that burnout is often associated with the way we approach our day. Learn to do the essential things rather than the urgent things and invest in the lives of people instead of things this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, direct us. Lord, it is so easy to spend our time, energy, and effort on things, Lord, that uh, we just don't need to be involved with. So help us to make wise choices. Lord, for those of us that um, have the opportunity to have an influence on the lives of our kids and grandkids or great-grandkids, Lord, would you help us um, to share and to teach uh, them, Lord, things that, uh, that, are, that are important for life. Lord, would you use us, give us wisdom to know how to best do that. And Lord, as we look back, uh, we come to the end of next week. Will we be able to look back over, the li- over that week and realize that we spent our time on things that were essential. Things that really added and contributed to our life physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And that, Lord, we could look back on the week and see people that we have invested our time, energy, money, and efforts into. Lord, use us and guide us as we try to honor and serve you this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, uh, those of you who can join us physically here next week, uh, we are excited to be able to do that and look forward to that. Uh, for those of you that are uncomfortable or not able to, Uh, We want you to continue to join us uh, each week as we do this online. So, um, Lord bless you. Um, Spend the week on stuff that is essential, not on stuff uh, that is urgent or non-essential. And be able to look back a week from now and see people that you have invested your life in, not just things. So, Lord bless you. Uh, Have a great week. And uh, Lord willing, we'll hear from you sometime this week.